My name is James Callis. I play Dr. Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. Previously on the Galactica Quorum. So I can see that Galactica might be going on a suicide mission. I still go back to one of my early theories about the ending that Hilo, Athena, maybe a couple of core players from the mythology are going to head to the colony, a la Frodo and Sam into Mount Doom. There's no suspense in, at least in my mind, that, you know, will Galactica be destroyed at the end of the episode? The suspense is who volunteers to go down with the ship. Yeah. Like, how many and which of the main characters and what are their rationale? Should I cross? Should I not cross? Should I cross? Should I not cross? Come on, Tori. You're coming along with us. Obviously, it's going to go out in a blaze of glory. Hello. Welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a award-winning podcast about Battlestar Galactica. This is episode 72. My name is Brian, and I'm with... Jen. Dimitri. Michelle. Ted. We have a website that's galacticacorum.com. We have an email that's gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 301-358-5175. Visit us on Facebook. Check out our forums on our website. And follow us on Twitter, where our account name is Galactica Quorum. For this episode, we'll be talking about Daybreak Part 1. We want to say that we have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast for this episode. I don't think there's one out yet. In fact, I think they're holding back... For a little while until they actually finish because I haven't seen one posted yet. I have not watched the previews for the next episode because after all it is the final, final ever episode and I just don't want to see anything about it. It's going to give me any clues at all. I want to go in fresh. So there will be no spoilers in this podcast, just tons of speculation. I want to mention that we have the quarries asking for people's submissions for categories and nominees for Various topics like best argument, best prediction, best wager, best interview. Best innuendo. Best innuendo. <laughs> She's not swallowing a stick anymore. <laughs> that would be good. Go to our website for that. It's in our forums. It's in our forums, yes. FYI, this is a drunken podcast. Yes, it is. Number two. We number are two. Number two. Yeah, last time we had a drunken podcast was the infamous podcast where we talked about the season premiere of season... Four, was it? I don't remember. It was so house. long ago. Didn't we have one in the bar when uh, it was... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, that was sort of an unofficial, not really commenting about a specific episode podcast. Was that in between seasons? Yeah. yeah. Was in the yeah. Season. Oh. The one I'm thinking of is the one where um, we were at my place and we were drinking and we had all those big arguments. Oh, yeah, because I was exhausted at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Want to mention that we do have a donation button on our website. Don't bring this up a lot, but we uh, do appreciate if you want to send something our way to show us uh, your love, your appreciation. And thank you very much for those who have donated to us in the past. This week, we're going to talk about Daybreak Part 1. Next week is Daybreak Part 2. After that, we have more shows coming up. Just because Battlestar is ending doesn't mean we are ending as well. We have a lot of material coming up. We have interviews with the production department coming up. There is another prop auction that is coming, and I'll be talking with Alec Peters about that. We've had some suggestions about what to talk about 
we got a Twitter from Kevin who said, have you ever given thought to doing a Firefly rewatch? <laughs> and no, never crossed our minds. Never. And, uh, What's Firefly? I just uh, assumed that he was uh, not familiar with the fact that we had uh, two years ago first said that we were going to do it. But turns out he did know that he was just busting our balls a little bit. <laughs> so, yes, we will be doing a Firefly rewatch following some of our material. Yeah, it just came out on Blu-ray a few months back. That's right. We will be rewatching Firefly. Kevin responded back to me, said, well, perhaps you could do a Heroes Season 2 rewatch, which I thought was <laughs> really funny. <laughs> because, yeah, that'd be great. We'll just do, I think we should just rewatch all the My episodes, and that, that would be worthy of. Um, Season two was like, what, the road trip with Maya and. Right. Ugh, no. So, yes, we have lots of post BSG series podcasts that will be coming out. We have an outtakes episode that's in the works. Don't want to forget that we also will be at Dragon Con this year, and I'm really looking forward to that, and we're working on some things for that, so. Keep subscribed, and we will keep you apprised of all the developments for that. I want to remind you that Pike is still doing the video recaps. Those are really cool. Check them out. They're on our website and on YouTube. By the way, I'd like to compliment Pike on picking up the uh, Doctor Who vortex thingy because he's right, and we should have said Doctor Who in our recap. What was that? It was the one where you were saying that um, Ellen had the uh, Matrixy. Entrance, when she was being resurrected. But it was very Doctor Who, so I'd like to thank Pike for picking that up. Oh, okay. I didn't write it with that intention, but if he picked it up, then that's cool. Well, you don't watch Doctor Who, so right, you wouldn't right, have known. Right. But yeah, Pike picked it up, and he did a good job. Cool. Go, Pike. Go, Pike. For podcast plugs, just want to mention the Two Guys Talking Network are covering 24. Be sure to check them out. They're at twoguystalking.com. That's two, the number two, guystalking.com. Before we move into our discussion of Daybreak Part 1, we got some emails from the previous episode. We got one from Rainy, where she says, Oh my god, OMG, why is there still hate for Hilo having sex with Boomer and not knowing that it was Boomer? Why the hate for Hilo? Yes, he had sex with another woman, sort of. But I don't think he would have picked it up that it wasn't Athena. Number one, he went into that bathroom horny looking for sex. He was gearing and ready for hot public sex. He was not in his right mind to be looking for cues that his wife is not his wife, but Boomer. Why would he think that? Number two, way, way, way back in the series, Hilo was on a base ship and one of the eights comes up to try to comfort him. She says that they had taken Athena's memories of their relationship and implanted them into the rest of the line. This means the Boomer would have also received this information and would be able to use that to her advantage of manipulating him. Also, about the suicide mission, did you guys miss Hera playing with the ships? One crashes into the toy Cylon base ship. Another email on the subject from Patrick. Last season, when some of the crew had gone to the base ship, he was sitting down and rubbing his neck and shoulders. Then an eight came over and started rubbing his neck and shoulders for him, and she said something about having downloaded Athena's memories. So he didn't think that it was a big deal for him to have not noticed either. But he says, that being said, Hila could have said something like, hey, where'd you get that new bra? (laughs) All right. Here's the thing. I concede, because I know these are both directed at me. I concede, and yes, admittedly, there was that episode where they all said they downloaded Athena's memories, but how long ago was that? Something could have changed, but whatever. Here's the thing. I'm going to just beat you down some more, Michelle, if you don't mind, because I know the fans love it. Um, (laughs) If if I'm feeling hot and horny, and I walk into a bathroom, and then my Jen is there, and she's feeling hot and horny, and she gets on to, you know, she starts getting up on me and stuff... (laughs) 
and I know there are other, you know, gens in the fleet, but I'm not going to think that this gen who's getting up on me is one of the others. I'm going to assume that she's getting up All on right. me because she's my wife. I concede, but I still think... You're just reading into, you wish he, as a good guy, would know better. You wish somehow his morals okay, were kicked yes. in or whatever. But I wish he would have known better. Actually, I need to jump in. Sorry, men. <laughs> I just need to jump in and come to Michelle's aid or defense or whatever. Thank you. I don't know the exact circumstances of what she said, but I have to say that I thought at the same time that there should have been some kind of pause... Because the reason that he fell in love with Athena is because she's Athena and not Boomer, right? Both he and Tyrrell fell in love with different women. And they are different. Right, but they weren't having a conversation in the bathroom. They went from hello to sex right off the bat. There was no there was no chance for him to figure out that she was the wrong one. They didn't really have any Well kind she of- actually hesitated. He went in there looking for sex, but she hesitated. She was kind of like, uh, and kind of trying to get away him from him a little it. bit. But why should it made him question it? I mean. Because she, you she men are stupid. But she, she could have questioned it because they're in a bathroom and someone else can walk in. I Don't mean, forget, this is kind of an irony in the show, is that when Hilo first made love to Athena, he thought it was Boomer because he had a crush on Boomer. Okay, so oh, a lot of what he, but that's what it is. When Athena first seduced him, the very first time, the, the time she was impregnated, she was playing as Boomer, and it's kind of an ironic twist that now Boomer played as Athena. And I'm know. still of the opinion that in the many times since then, he should know his wife. Well, maybe and just but, because the eight downloaded Athena's memories, he should still know his wife. In the heat I, of the moment, I think that the, it would have been nice if there was some kind of like pause on his part. On like, his part, yes. Minute. Like, yeah, yeah. And maybe we're only bothered by this because we're women, <laughs> and we love Hilo. I'd like to state it right now. I'm not hating on Hilo at all because I love Hilo. I think he's a great character. And I think that was pretty damn hot scene. <laughs> totally, but. I'm disappointed in him. That's all. I'm just right. disappointed. I don't hate him. I'm just disappointed in right. him. Yeah, I think that's a distinction. Right. Ideologically, you wish he would have known that. The yes, woman he would I would have been more proud of wife. him if he had actually stepped up and known that it wasn't his wife. I would have but been like, go Hilo. It made for a better scene, and it, and men and are it, stupid. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I, I, I'm not going down that road with Michelle. <laughs> the, Sorry. The, those, I was that, jumping to your fence first. That, that particular, that Ted, particular statement would was... would you have known if it was me or not? That's a very loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give two answers? Sure, go ahead. Absolutely. And, um, well, no. maybe. <laughs> That's okay. Depends on the circumstances. I think everything that I would say has been said here, so... This uh, email comes from Scott, who frequents our forums quite a bit. He says, One thing I really want to see in the final episode is some sort of voice for the Centurions and Raiders. I wonder if Anders will end up being the voice for the Metal Cylon, since hybrids are the most advanced form of toaster. And also, it seems the toasters started this one true god business, but didn't they suggest in Razor that the first base ship hybrid was their god? Just let me get some clarity here for a second. The um, Centurions were working on the hybrids and they were controlling their ships. And then the final five came along. Okay. So are the final five Cylons and the Cylons that are the Centurions not related to each other? Or is there some kind of weird time loop thing going on here? I think the Centurions were made 
influenced by the final five because they had their own on their own planet. So I think they might have influenced the 12 colonies to make the centurions. No, it, it, it's two completely independent lines of artificial life. Well, how can the humans on the 12 colonies make an entire species or AI the exact same thing that the final five made on well, their complete other... Not, the, final five, the, the final five were the result of something similar developing from... It, but it's similar, because remember they saw the... No. Remember on that Earth, they dug up the Cylon, right. and they said, I'm not familiar with this model, but it is a Cylon. It happened once, it'll happen again. It just... I mean, it's, I see what you're saying. I think it's just mankind built something, right? It's like here in the U.S. and in Germany that people are building rockets at the same time. Two different, you know, they're not communicating. Wait, so you're saying it. like back on Atlantis, they made my Roomba. And when Atlantis went under, all that was lost. Now that we're doing our society all over again, we're making the Roomba again. Yeah, because there, there are no completely <laughs> original ideas. It's, it's already been done. Okay, that should wrap up our correspondence from previous episodes and other feedback. So let's move on to our discussion of Daybreak Part 1. I have asked people to send us tweet caps, and you guys have been great. You've been sending in tweet caps. Kit, who has sent us a bunch, actually, has sent us another one. This one goes like this. Flashbacks from before the fall. Even Baltar doesn't trust Baltar. Anders answers question. Adama draws line down the deck. Brave to the right. Rainy sends one from Twitter. Hers is, saw their lives pre-war. Baltar fails his own test. Adama is going after Hera. Galactica is going on a one-way trip to her death. This one I really like. This is from 2,000 Pounds of Fun. His is a programming function. He wrote it as, and I'm going to have to post this on the site because it just doesn't do justice to read it, but function, WTF, curly brackets, for each CHR character, in BSG, curly brackets, chr dot flashback parentheses angst, close parentheses, semicolon, close curly brackets, WTF equals fan dot create parentheses angst, close parentheses, semicolon, close curly brackets. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm getting a general vibe about some of the fan response we've gotten about this episode, and they just seem to not completely in love with it, but uh, before we get on to complete discussion of it, let's move on to our recap of the episode. This is the recap for Daybreak Part 1. The slow striptease of Galactica is underway, with personnel and equipment emptying her decks to the bare nakedness. They're taking everything but the kitchen sink. And speaking of kitchen sink, bringing the last drop of background material from the writer's Bible, they're treated to glimpses of past lives of Adama, Lee, Starbuck, and Zack. This week on Days of Caprica... A mix of comedy and tragedy. Baltar has to deal with his cock-blocking, can't-take-res dad. Rosalind loses it and gets wet in public. And Starbuck plays house. Back in the present, Adama is packing boxes to be sent to the next prop auction in Pasadena. The size of his flock has given Baltar influence, but not power. He beseeches Lee to give him representation on the quorum. But Lee says, go frack yourself, you self-serving frack. Starbuck puts her degree in abstract mathematics to work when she makes computations out of musical notes. At the Cylon Colony, it's time for Hera's picture pages. Grab your crayons and pencils. But Cavill is becoming impatient and is prepared to get answers the hard way, not noticing that Hera's drawings, the answers to everything, are right in front of his face. Adama and Starbuck are gathered next to Andrew's tub. Adama says to plug him in and see what the Magic 8 Ball has to say. Must have asked him the right question because Adama shows up on the flight deck with a declaration. They know the location of the colony and are mounting a rescue mission. 
We just need some courageous volunteers. One battle star attacking the whole Cylon colony? That's not my idea of courage. That's more like suicide. Come on. It's over. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Geminons bombed Pycon Harbor? Hell no. Geminons? Forget it. He's on a roll. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Who's with me? Adama notes the tape on the floor, the thin red line. That is Galactica's voluntary sorting hat. Chicken shit to the left, brave and stupid to the right. Baltar wavers to join Caprica, but in the end, self-preservation overrides any such notion of selfless courage. The Raptor Recon finds a colony near a singularity, a black hole. The approach won't be easy. The colony is shielded by gravitational rays, so they'll have to FTL to one spot. One way in, one way out. Let's get to work, Adama says, and may the Force be with us. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Who's with me? <laughs> I have to thank 2,000 Pounds of Fun for giving me the idea about the uh, Animal House reference. What are your thoughts about Daybreak Part 1? I didn't think it was boring. I thought it was slow, but it was interesting because I thought, why are we being shown this? One thought is that it was clearly showing the main characters that are left over, showing us what they were like in the past, showing us what their character was like or their personality or their being was like before all the fan hit the shit. Or watching this show and it's almost over, we've all come up with our own what we think these characters' character is like. And so this was the director's way of showing were you right or were you wrong about who they are. Because people change in war. And they've been in war. This whole like running, it's, it's always been war. So people change in war. So I thought they've changed to here, but their underlying selves is this what they're showing at the beginning. You know, the president, she lost her sisters and her dad and the baby was coming. And so she lost everything before everybody else lost everything. So she's a survivor twice over, you know, but they show her going off into the pool and like looking up at the sky and smiling because maybe there she's realizing, well, you know what? I lost everything, but I'm alive. You know, there's still hope. She's looking up into this, you know, the gods in the sky or something. So I think all that's going to play into the last episode. I think the only interesting part was the fact that they showed Rosalind losing her sisters and her father and nephew or niece. To me, that was the only interesting part of the first part of the show because you knew right off that, when the war hit, she had nothing that she lost because she had already lost it. I think that was really the only interesting part of it. As far as what happened with Admiral Dama and with Lee and Kara and Zack, big whoop. Yeah, I think the Adamas, that was confusing because it was just not enough for you to draw any kind of conclusion like what Demetrius said about Rosalind. But I thought what I thought was interesting, more so than Rosalind's little vignette there, was what was going on with Baltar and his dad and Caprica Six. I thought that was really interesting to see that she was the compassionate one in that relationship, that she went out of her way to create a good situation for his father, that he was such a dick. And you know he's a dick. <laughs> Beep! <laughs> but... He was just so spoiled and horrible and beating on his dad. And she was like, this is your father. 
that she had more respect for his elder than he did. And it's the same thing, right? He's been doing the same thing throughout the entire show. He's been looking for something else than his past. He's always trying to make a better situation for what's in front of him and never looking to what is behind him and holding on to that tight. He's always trying to get away from it where she saw value in something that was his, that she doesn't have, you know, I mean, she's got the five, but she didn't know that at the time. Ironically, she then destroyed the colony. So he burned with his farm, but I just thought that was interesting. Maybe this buildup was either to show who they were then we know who they are now because of this battle. And so maybe the next thing, maybe they were showing like Baltar has been a bastard the whole time and he was a bastard back in Caprica. It's not like this war changed him. He was always this way. So maybe it's a setup to say he's been a bastard this whole time and now it's judgment day. Which way is he going to go? I mean, I don't want to jump the gun, but he was standing on the shit side of the red line. But he had that look on his face, like you could kind of sense that he wanted to go and his girlfriends were looking at him like, are you going to go? So maybe well, the last two hour episode will be kind of a, you know, a reckoning, you know, are you going to like step up and be the man that your father always thought you should be? Or are you going to just dwindle away and be the you know, a bastard everybody knows you are? Yeah, because that's the question that Leah Donald just asked him. Have you ever in your life done something out of pure selflessness that you knew you weren't going to get something out of? No. <laughs> I'm not sure what this means, but there's so very little hours left in the series. There's no time for filler. So I think everything means something. I don't know if the flashbacks were really that worthwhile. I mean, for them to show something, it should have been something that we hadn't really grasped before. And I can see the Roslyn portion of it where we see she had more loss than anyone else had. But to this point... There was the little bit with Lee where he stumbles in and he has that line about, I doubled Daria, like something had happened. We'll probably see that in the next episode, what that context or that line means. But even then, I don't know if that really matters so much. Like we know that he had a connection with Starbucks from the beginning. And I don't know if that really adds so much to the story, unless there's like something so new that just makes it matter that much more. I don't know if it matters that much. Well, it's kind of interesting, for instance, like the Admiral Adama, when he's having that meeting with a guy and he's like, just go, it'll be an hour of your life. So, you know, where is he going? He's going up to decommission the Galactica. So really, it almost seemed like at that point in time, he wasn't really into it. He wasn't really into the Galactica anymore. Maybe he was tired of that commission or you're just ready to move on. But now he's in the place where it has to be decommissioned because it is falling apart, but he's really, really attached to it. It gives you these juxtapositions. I think it would have been more interesting if this were a two-hour episode and we saw the other sides of each of these vignettes. Clearly, there's more to Lee stumbling around drunk and shooing a pigeon out of his house, hopefully, <laughs> or that was that was a waste. Yeah. that And what happens after Six has created this wonderful situation for Baltar's dad and... I think that those scenes between those two were less about him and more about her. It's interesting to look at six in this context, in the context and in the miniseries, because the miniseries, you can take what she did in that, which was she saw a baby in a carriage and she said, Oh, how, how wonderful. And she snapped its neck. And then in this, she takes care of Baltar's father to send him off to a place where he can be a farmer again. But the end result is the same. 
can you say that she saw mercy? She kills the baby and because she doesn't want it to be dealing with the oncoming apocalypse. And then with him, he had a few weeks at best where he was happy again before her brethren torched the planet. What does that tell you about her character? Is it consistent? I think they're conflicted. Why? Yeah, that's what Just I Just like Boomer's conflicted, right? Boomer took Hera off the Galactica and took her back to Cavill because she's doing this duty for her general. But then she's there and Cavill is like, all right, it's time to, you know, start figuring out what this Hera is made of. And Boomer's like, but she wants her mommy. So all of a sudden she's compassionate. I think it's just showing, they're they're showing that they're conflicted, you know, they're human and they have compassion, but at the same time they're machines and they don't. And so I think they're just, they don't know where to go. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I looked at that whole scene with the six, not quite as, um, caring. I looked at it more as like a way for her to get back into Gaius's life as a way to just leverage towards her end goal, getting into with him, getting into the base, you know, because she was about to get kicked out of his life completely. How could she have gotten herself back in? About the only way I guess she was able to come up with was to do something for her dad to impress Gaius. I agree with that. I think it's mainly just her trying to gain his trust. Manipulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I think I was more struck by her reaction to how he treated his father when he was there and yelling and telling his father that he was a bastard and he was beating on him with newspaper. And she was looking at him like, what the F is your problem? It looked like a true look of, yeah. Yeah, like disgust. True emotion. Yeah, like, he's your father. She said that, this is your father. That was what struck me more. But I guess we'll know next episode. Let's just uh, sample some of the emails we got about this episode so far. The first one I have is from Leo, who writes, I can't help thinking Baltar will play a pivotal part in the finale. After all, he is the one who's holding Hera in the Opera House vision. Perhaps he was brought back to life by Starbuck to fulfill an important role. I think he survived the nuclear blast in the miniseries. He died, but whatever that's been manipulating them all, paraphrasing Ellen Ty. Put him back on Caprica. Maybe he and Starbuck can see head people because they've been resurrected, quote unquote. I didn't actually think about Baltar in that, but I guess he could have technically died in that blast when Caprica is protecting him. But my thought was that after the last episode when Baltar reveals her as an angel walking among us, I kind of thought, well, maybe he's right. He can see Caprica as his head six. She protected him during the blast. Starbuck protects everyone, dies in the protection of the fleet, and maybe she's actually ahead Starbuck for everyone because she's an angel. I think Baltar's going to cross the line in this next episode. He has to. Yeah. Because he's going to be in the thick of whatever happens when they go to rescue Hera, right? Yeah. They're not going to have like a big, massive plot twist with the people that stay behind. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. But I still think Baltar's only going to do that for selfish reasons. I don't, I mean, if you saw him in this episode, he was just kind of like, mm, should I cross? Should I not cross? Should I cross? Should I not cross? And he looked like he was struggling with his own personal, like, well, if I cross, what will this gain me? Well, that might be just what they do to have him be the pivotal character in the series. It's a testament to this series and the writers and the producers that even to this point, we don't know who the protagonist, the one person who will push this to the conclusion will be. And it could well be Baltar that is the one that to this point, Lee said, have you ever done anything that wasn't for your own self-interest? And he couldn't come up with a good answer. 
And so it could be well in the next episode where he finally does something that says, I am going to do it now. And that will be what pushes them over the edge and lets them, quote, win or in terms of plot climax, push them over the edge. Or it could be, well, someone else. It could be Adam. It could be Starbuck. I'm actually hoping that Baltar crosses the line and does a selfless act. I hope that that happens. I most feel like it might be just because we've got to the 11th hour, 11th hour and 59 minutes where he's to this point. Yes, he's done good things, but it's always been with him benefacting from what he's done. And if he just does one thing. Now, the question is, how does he do it? (laughs) Because he is not with this other group. He didn't cross the red line. He is with the ragtag fleet, not with the Galactica, which we presume will go off to this other mission. So what happens? But I think that the last scene there where they're on the line, he had that look of, should I go or shouldn't I go? The scene ended where they were nothing hadn't happened yet. So I, I could see the next show starting with the breaking away, people are leaving, and he's going to be on the gangplank getting ready to leave, and he's going to turn around and go, no. I'm staying. <laughs> Gangplank. <laughs> yeah. The fleet can't stand to lose another scientist. Stay here. Right. Because <laughs> we need him so badly. That was something that kind of bugged me was that Starbuck was the one who was doing this computational analysis of the song. And he really almost thought, well, this should have been something that Baltar was doing. If he was such the scientific genius, he should have been analyzing the song and the notes. And instead, for whatever reason, Starbuck was the one that was... What the hell was that? But it's about? her. But it's her song. She she starts like coming up with all these math equations, and she's all brilliant. All of a sudden, <laughs> bringing uh, an email from Ryan, he writes, "I wanted to suggest that the notes that keep getting painted and analyzed by Starbuck, we know they're the song that they've been playing. But what if the notes are jump coordinates to Earth slash New Earth, or they are coordinates to Cavill's base camp? We never saw what was said to Starbuck and Adam." Seriously, that whole scene with them jumping in and their little base ship was next to um, the Singularity, that's totally like the Timothy Zahn book. Was it called The Maw? That was the installation. It was The Maw. Where, like, they had their uh, starfighters right next to the Singularity, so, like, nobody could find them. It was basically where the Death Star was originally designed. Yeah. And there was only, like, one very circuitous path in between a bunch of Singularities to get to the installation. Yeah. I, Either way, it just reminded me of my that thinking, book, and I thought it wasn't very original. Well, my thinking was when she started doing computation was it was a somehow would turn into coordinates to a place to park the Galactica or a place to settle, or b it was some sort of code of DNA code of this is what you need to do to make everything work between humans and Cylons. The hybrid DNA code use this, go with it. Why can't we just go back to the, it's just the notes for the song? Why does it have to be some math computation? It has to be some math computation because otherwise, why would Hera know it? It's a message. It's a message. It's a message coded into music. Music is math. She did have a whole pile of papers um, of little quite dots. A bit more, yeah. Quite a bit more data was present there. Maybe there are star charts. Got an email from Ransom. He writes, I'm fascinated by the possibility that the singularity may be important to the end of the show. Starbuck, as you know, has already been through her own personal equivalent of a black hole, the Maelstrom, and come out with a fresh body and shiny new Viper. What if the whole fleet goes through the singularity, and as a result of Kara's guidance, as a way of rebooting the cycle of time? Everyone comes out new on the other side, quote-unquote, and the cycle of the time begins again. This would be a neat way of bringing together Kara's arc, quote, you will lead them to their end, end quote. However... Quote, not an end, but a beginning. 
end quote. Playing off her being the first to be reborn, as was all this has happened before, also happened again. Kara's special destiny is then tied to that of all humanity. Remember at the beginning when they're all trying to get off of Caprica and um, getting off. Baltar uh, runs up and Hilo's like, oh, he's famous, get him on here, whatever. But it is possible that when he shows up at that point that he is like Kara is now. That he could have died in that blast with six, which is maybe what the person from the earlier email was talking about. I don't know if there was enough time, though. I mean, three months went by for Kara. True. You know, it was just a matter of hours between the blast and the evacuation from Caprica. Uh, the singularity is most certainly going to play a pivotal role in the conclusion of the series. Prophecies around Kara most certainly suggest that she's going to be the end of someone. Um, I think that having all of these Cylons right next to Singularity certainly is a convenient setup for their demise. I think that lead them to their end, their death, whatever, it doesn't have to be death. I was saying earlier that like in tarot cards, that the death card is not necessarily a card of death. It's a, it's a card of change. It's a change of something, like a major change of something. Got a Twitter from Hip Factor who writes, I thought the final five would all die slash resurrect a la Ellen to regain their silent knowledge and save the day. I don't know if that's true, but it does make me wonder if at some point we will see the final five all in their robes again. <laughs> Do we need to? I don't know if we need to, but... You mean like in the opera house? In the opera house. At some point we need to see... There's been discussion about this on our forums. Like, what do we need to see? Do we need to know Starbucks' true past? Yes. To, I don't know if we need to. I, Some portion of it. Well, haven't we seen that already? Some of it, at least? We can well, we still need to know. We can infer some of it. Maybe we can debate it. But I don't We know need if to they, know what she is. Yes. Okay. We need to know what she is. But one thing we need to know is what the F is up with the Opera House. Because Baltar has been in it. Hera has been in it. Rosalind has been in it. What's up with the Opera House? And... When we see the final five in the opera house, if we do, in their glowy robes, what's going on and what's going to happen? Well, what if you the know, opera house is just sort of a projection, just like all the other projections that the Cylons are doing? What if it's just a metaphor for something else? What if it's not actually an opera house? I'm much more curious about what's going on with Starbuck and how I mean, she's come back to us. I think when they showed the opera house originally, it showed then a connection between these individuals. There's a connection, some sort of connection between the Cylons, the human, the Hera, you know, there's a connection between them. Yeah, bringing it up again now, I mean, they could have not not brought it up again, and then it wouldn't have bothered me. It would just showed that there was a connection. I think the Opera House has played such a huge role in the mythology of this show. I can't see how they cannot explain that at this point. It's been there since the very beginning. All the Baltar's visions and Rosalind, her connection to Caprica 6 and her having these visions, I can't see how they can't explain that. Based on what you've seen, is there any predictions you have for what we'll see in the last two hours? Baltar will redeem everyone. <laughs> well, I'm glad they're not decommissioning the Galactica and that obviously it's going to go out in a blaze of glory. As far as, you know, as I said before, my CGI love, I think that's going to be some good stuff. Yeah, I think we got some pretty good CGI. You know, we got some pretty good CGI for the, for the Galactica jumping into a little pocket of emptiness, one click. 
I hope it ends up like when uh, Galactica drops in on New Caprica. That'd be cool. I mean, I hope it's like that kind of thing. I'd like to see him get sucked into the singularity. Well, that's what I'm thinking is he jumps. They, they don't jump into that little tiny spot. They jump behind the event horizon of the singularity and then like grapple the whole base and suck it into the singularity or something. Cool. Well, it totally makes that email that we just heard earlier. If they go through the black hole, that could totally be a new beginning. You I'm know, sorry, but when you go through a black hole, you die. How do you know? You pretty much die. We don't know that. Well, see, you know, I mean, sci-fi, lots of sci-fi. You can be damn sure that they talked to Kevin Grazier, their scientific advisor, about this whole black hole thing. And, you know, I've read books about black holes and what happens when you get close to the accretion disk. And when you get sucked into a black hole, it's not a pretty thing because <laughs> it's you basically, like, the closer you get, the forces pull you to such a degree where within a split second, you could be kilometers apart from the tip of your toes to the top of your head, and you're like millions of kilometers, millions of kilometers apart because of the forces that pull you that fast. And, and so, uh, but but it happens really quick for you, but for observers on the outside, it's like wow, it's taking a long time for it to happen. But anyway, it's whatever. <laughs> but in other sci-fi stories and movies and books, black holes are. Time travel portals. I mean, there is no FTL drive hole, either, Dimitri. right? It's a warm hole, not a black well, hole, no, okay. a warm it hole. It makes you wonder just how scientifically accurate they're going to be. Because if they're scientifically accurate, if you start falling in, you're going to be split apart really fast. Maybe they just think it's a singularity. I mean, but, but I'm saying, I mean, there, there's, there's, this is, <laughs> this is a sci-fi show. So they know themselves what a singularity, the black hole is. But also, there is no such thing as FTL. You can't go faster than light, right? And so, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe the show ends with them jumping, you know, falling through, and then maybe someone's spouting theories about you can pass through it or whatever. You know, what there's I mean? no way. I don't think there's any way you can FTL from a black hole. If you look at the nature of this sci-fi show, it's a hard sci-fi show, but the nature of the technology and the nature of how they presented it's based in science. It's really based in today and here and now and what we know. Really, the only exception to that is FTL, as far as, you know, any of us here can think, right? <laughs> Following that, I would think they wouldn't go the avenue of using the black hole as a mechanism of escaping from wrapping things up properly. I hope not. A couple episodes ago, I mentioned something about the possibility of Galactica falling through a mandala, and I still see that being a possibility, being the, a black hole with its accretion disk being a spinning kind of vortex itself, and uh, I kind of regret not saying something about a reference to the Black Hole movie, the Disney movie from like the late 1970s, where they fell through this uh, black hole. Do you remember, guys? Do you remember yeah. that movie? It was 1978. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, IMDb Ted. Thank you, my nerd husband. <laughs> but um, We probably own that movie. <laughs> I think it's TMDB, Ted Movie Database. <laughs> yes. Just overall, reactions so far, at least on our boards and the email, have been somewhat lukewarm to this episode. An email from Twiggy who writes, he was a little disappointed with Daybreak Part 1. It was slow and didn't seem to push the story forward at all, he writes. Although it was nice to see Racetrack and Skulls back in action again, I guess they are saving everything up. The two-hour final episode. I just can't see how they're going to tie up the whole Kara thing with all the other things that are going on within the episode. I mean, is it going to be like a five-minute conversation like, oh, yeah, Kara's this. Here you go. You can't just throw it in there as like a side note. And I just feel that's what they're going to do with it because the whole main story is going to be sending the Galactica off to get Hera. How can you just have someone come in and be like, oh, Kara, by the way, this is what you are. 
Well, but what she is is tied into Hera, right? Because of whatever we assume is drawing these dots that are the same music that she learned from her father, who was the seven. Maybe we're assuming, but uh, hello, he's the seven. Her father is the seven. And so they're connected then in a very tight way because they're both Cylon human hybrids. Even if she is a Cylon human hybrid, though, you still have to explain how her body was on the planet and how she came back as who she is right now. But I think it'll all happen all at once. Whenever they get there and they've either taken Hera apart or not. It better be at least a decent enough explanation to the point where I don't think it's a side note. I think it's all connected. So it won't be. And hopefully they won't dissect Hera. That would be (laughs) stupid. Well, in the final two hours that are remaining, I have to think they are going to do some more flashbacky type of scenes again where they do... Finish the other half of that. Because we haven't heard why did Lee come in saying, I double dog dare you and fight the pigeons. (laughs) And we're assuming that Adama was talking about with his hour... They had to spend somewhere that was to go back up to the Galactica, but I assume that he was already commanding the Galactica. Well, he was wearing a suit and tie. And he was wearing a suit and tie, but they say we're pulling you out of reserves. I don't know. I think that this episode felt like a really big character building episode. And by choosing which side of the red line you're going to go on, that's a big character moment. So I think that the... Well, were there any surprises with that, though? Who are you well, surprised with that didn't go on that what side? Like Lee, duh. Rosalind, duh. Adama, duh. Uh, it's not that particular moment. I just think that in general, the whole show was about character. And so I think that whatever happened in this show, in the last bits, it's all going to be about character. Who does what based on where they came from. Not necessarily who they are right now and what they've been through in the past four years, but who they were originally. Before or the fall. Before the fall. Or the opposite. They were, you know, like Baltar, they were just really, they've been an awful person their whole lives. And then they either go the same route or they become selfless and they propel humankind forward. I think this would have been more effective for me if this were the two hour. If we were able to see the other end of whatever those flashbacks were at the beginning now instead of waiting for it because i see that it's building up to something but i don't it didn't leave me feeling there's no anticipation you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not like oh with bated breath what was the pigeon mm-hmm. you know why was he double dog daring who mm-hmm. was he double dog daring yeah. you know i guess my I, mean, I, I feel like i know the characters well enough that nothing that was revealed in these flashbacks was so much of a revelation to me that i was like oh wow i didn't see that before it was more like, okay, yeah, Baltar before was saying that he was trying to hide his accent from being a, from Erlon. Yeah, okay. Okay, now here's his dad from Erlon. He's giving him a little bit of backstory, but it's a little bit more, but it's just not that much more. And what else? We saw Kara's first meeting of Lee, and I guess in that very brief scene, we saw that there was already something, and there was a line about, oh, oh don't steal this one from me too, Lee. Okay, you're a girlfriend stealer. Ha ha ha. Yeah, we know what's going to happen. It wasn't that much of a revelation for us. Precious minutes are remaining in this series, in this fabulous landmark series. And I just wish that there was a little bit more. Better use of time. A better use of time. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but when you put it in the context like that, it's like, yeah. I would have rather seen something else for the third to last episode. And especially considering that the last two or three episodes was kind of along the same lines where we saw stuff that was 
not really pushing things forward too much. I've been saying for a while that I wish we had another season so we could stretch this out a little bit more. But the last three episodes, they've been more like slowing things down and just not progressing very much. And I think they could have. We have one episode to go. Are you ready for it to be over? Yes. I didn't think so before. You know what? I'm going to say yes. Because I'm over it. Maybe it was just this episode. I don't know. I'm just, I'm ready. I've had a couple people say to me, oh, I'm really emotional about it. But you know what? I've prepared myself enough to the fact where, yes, I get it's the end of the series. Okay, I'm ready. Give me your worst. I'm ready. I'm ready. And it's sort of just that as much as I really would like for them to have done another season or half a season or 12 more episodes or whatever, and I think they would have worked, but I, I think think they have done all they can with the characters. Seeing Adama go up on the stand, climb the riser and say, everyone do this and do that. I don't know how many more times he can do that. Or how many and, more times he can flail across the or, building. Or how many more times he can flail. Or how many more times <laughs> I'm Lee, drunk! Or how many more times Lee can... Switch his loyalties. Switch his loyalties. Or put on a suit, take or a tell suit off. Baltar that he's beneath him when he's done some crappy things himself. Or have Baltar be the way Baltar is. It might just be a good time to end the series. And um, as much as I hate for it to end. It's better to go out on a good note, yeah. on a high note, than to just keep going and end on a bad note. Because you're, you've are you rewritten some characters' right. lines. Yeah, or there's some nothing characters. worse than a series that just keeps going and going and right. going. <clears> and <throat> <told> Sliders. <clears throat> <laughs> Which is why this is the last episode of Logic of Quorum. Thank you very much. Good night. No. No. I just hope that there's two hours left. There's still a lot up in the air. I just hope that they don't cheat. Either answer things too neatly or too quickly. And then, because there's so many questions that we've asked in this one podcast alone. If it gets answered too abruptly. Abruptly. Lots of times they do that. You know, the show will go and then they'll, you're watching, watching, and then in the last five minutes, they quickly wrap it up and you're like, that was too fast. It was too quick, too easy. I'm, yeah, like they, 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 I'm concerned. I'm concerned in that the way that Ellen was revealed as the fifth. I thought that was very abrupt. I don't think so. I think it was. Like my I, opinion. I was kind of like, eh, let down. I think a lot of people of felt the same way that. you did. Yeah. No. Of course, Brian was so proud of himself that, of course, he was like, yeah. Well, just think about it. I mean, they had the whole thing <laughs> where they did the Ty going down to see Caprica and he'd see visions of Ellen. They laid it out several episodes in advance. Yeah. And then the water thing. I mean, on Earth. I mean, I you're not happy about down. it because you probably thought it was somebody else. I thought it was I know her. I thought it was somebody else. I know I thought it was Hilo. And I know I talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. I was it. prepared for but, it to be Ellen. But I was ready for it to be anyone. I wanted it to be Hilo and I was ready for it to be anyone. And I just, it could have been Ellen and that's fine. I just thought that the way that they sort of dropped it on us was just really like anticlimactic. I'm actually glad it wasn't Hilo now for the fact that Ty had said that a Cylon Cylon baby is not as strong as a Cylon human I think human the mis- baby. I think the mistake Humon. that they it's made. Human. Dropped a little Ferengi on us. A little pink skin. I think the mistake they made, if it was a mistake, was that they stretched out the identity of who's the final five for so long that it just built up expectations to too much. I agree with you there. They built up the expectations of the final five and the final five, other than Tori Mm -hmm. showing super strength and killing Callie in that one scene, the final five actually haven't 
haven't really contributed a, a final five amount right. of and that was like, her most interesting moment. Yeah, and right. since then Tori has become totally irrelevant. I mean, she's become to the point now where they're like, "Come on, Tori, you're coming along with us." It's like, what happened to that whole majority vote rule thing? They just threw that out too, and we don't get to vote on this. Yeah, and she seemed to have a much stronger personality at first and did, you know, did defiant sort of things. And now she's just being led around by her nose. Yeah. I guess Anders is showing a little bit of Cylon stuff by being, you know, plugged in and being able to spout poetry and stuff and being hybrid. But it's not, it's not Final Five worthiness. From the Opera House from before with the robes, I always assumed they were kind of ascended beings, you know, like they are, they are super duper. And they haven't been super duper. Will they resolve the head Baltar, head six, head everything? No. Doubt it. No. If my theory proves right, then yeah. I think they will not resolve the head Baltar. Oh, yeah, I think that was an aberration. I think Jen was right. I don't know if... Because you mentioned something about... I mean, I'll just bring it up now, just so we have another podcast, just in case we didn't record it. When the six on Caprica protects Baltar from the blast, that that's the six that becomes his head six. So Baltar calls out Kara and says that she's an angel. We know that she's got this weird thing going on with having died and come back. She doesn't know what she is. And I was thinking about it and comparing that situation to Baltar's head six who protected him on Caprica when the blast happened, a Caprica six protected him. And then he suddenly got a head six. So I'm just wondering if maybe Kara is actually the current Kara is a head Kara for everybody that everybody sees her because she protected them and died and became an angel or something like that. That'd be pretty trippy because then a couple of weeks ago, Kara, the head would have had a head of her own. Her father. That would have been trippy, huh? Head with a head. Yeah, I mean, he did end up being a head Daniel, right? What was the name on the CD? Draylee Thrace. Draylee. Live at the Opera House. The Opera House. And you try to you try to scramble Draylee into something else, right? What did right. you scramble that into? I didn't scramble into anything. Draylee oh. didn't really no, resolve Dylan. anything. Oh. Dylan was what I rearranged into Daniel. Like Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan, yep. I think that these head characters are protectors, angels. I've always thought that the head characters were just inner voice. A situation comes up and you're talking to yourself, well, should I or shouldn't I? The shouldn't I is you're talking to somebody. And so that's what I always thought. It was just a way for the the show to show these people talking to themselves, trying to figure stuff out. I don't know if I buy that entirely just because the head six so often says things to Baltar that are so off the wall for him. It's not like he's got a Jiminy Cricket on his shoulder and it's his conscience telling him you should do this or not. She's like, you know, the end is coming and you're going to rewrite the history of humanity, Gaius. And he looks at her like, what the hell? Okay. You know, he it's outside of the realm of what he's already considering. Mm. It doesn't feel like internal dialogue unless he's schizophrenic, which he's <laughs> not. Because that would just be... You can't wrap that up in two hours. Two hours. Wrap it up. I think they can do it. 90 minutes is a long time. Of course they can do it. It is. As long it's as it's going to be satisfactory. You just as long as they don't... Waste a second. Waste no a second. And for some of us... And judging by some of the feedback we've received via email and posts on our forums and whatnot, flashbacks of backstory, which we're kind of familiar with, does not constitute 
Not wasting a second. Wasting a yeah. second. Season we need finale. We need to Let's get forward momentum. <laughs> move forward. Keep it going. All the Waste every no, single word that is spoken by any single character has to be waste nothing. Just we perfect know on we're spot. We're gonna have some flashbacks in the next episode because they have to wrap up the weirdness that they started in the last. Yeah, the weirdness so with the the, the, the pigeon that really the was just the weirdest. Half of those flashbacks better be really <laughs> revealing in some way that we haven't anticipated. Or I mean, they could possibly wrap up the pigeon thing with something in the now where I have no idea, but there could be some reference to a pigeon. If this is the middle of the season and be like, okay, let's analyze some of the events that happened in this episode. Rosalind hearing the name of her blind date, Sean. Jen said... I said that one of the two policemen that came to tell her that her family had died was Officer Sean. Okay. And that blind date is with Sean Allison. And then I was like, well, the pigeons... <laughs> Who knows what the pigeons can be? Yeah, mean. what the hell? The only thing I could think of is frack, like, Michelle. <laughs> like the pigeons are flying around. And it's like, what is this? Like the unicorns from Blade Runner. Interpret that as you may. We don't need this kind of stuff right now. Let's let's move forward. Yeah, it's a weird sort of place. I mean, is a, a pigeon a good metaphor or a bad metaphor for anybody? The Chinese, the Greeks. I mean, anybody. <laughs> I mean, what, what if it was a head pigeon? <laughs> <laughs> a Cylon pigeon. There you go. I guess in terms of grades, this is one of those where if ever there was a show where you almost had to see what came afterwards, this was it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If I had to just grade this episode as an episode, not so much. Well, it's kind of like you can grade this episode, and then this is the first part of your essay, and then next week is your second part of the essay, and you put the two grades together, multiply by two, divide by two. The first 15 minutes of it, I very much was feeling that the flashbacks were... Could have been a webisode. Could have been a webisode, exactly. And <laughs> towards the end, it picked up a little bit. I thought the bit where Anders gave the location of the colony off screen and then the device where you heard the characters say that he had given them the location and what they needed to do almost was kind of clumsy, the way they moved from character to character. Hot Dog said, I know, kind of freaky, right? Yeah, that just seemed clumsy to me. The more I think about it, the more I want to grade it lower, but B- minus is the lowest I'll go. See, I don't even think I can give it a grade just because of the fact that I know it's leading into something. You have to give it a grade for this standalone. It's the first part of your essay. But it's a to-be-continued. Well, you can change your grade next week. Well, that's not how my teachers did it. You're not your teacher. (laughs) All right, well, while Michelle is battling with her morals... You guys already know, I watched the show very much on a entertainment, you know, how entertained was Dimitri. And so, I came to the podcast thinking, well, this was an A, right? But then, as we've discussed it, and Brian, you know, mentioned that the first 15 minutes, which was slow, I thought it was very character building. Brian, you know, said, well, nothing new was revealed, you know, we kind of knew about this and that and the other. And then I was thinking, well, all right, well, now now it's kind of it's slipping into a B but as the show went on, you know, it started slow, but then, at, you know, kind of build, build, build. And then at the end, it was very uh, Independence Day and, you know, we're going to go and fight the aliens and that sort of thing. And I got, I'm, I'm all jazzed up. I'm very much looking forward to next week's episode. So just thinking about next week's episode and how excited I am and that whole hangar scene, I'm back to an A. But just as an entertainment value and the excitement that I have. So it's really my A is built on the excitement I have for next week. So it's. I thought this I mean, was a standalone it, episode, Dimitri. It is a standalone episode. But you're supposed to grade it on a standalone, not for your anticipation for next week's. 
Oh, snap. You did just say that to her. <laughs> All right. Yes, yes, you did. B plus. <laughs> I'm going to agree with the Bs on this one. I actually did like the first 15 minutes just for the fact that it showed that Rosalind, she had nothing really to lose when the war hit. Um, other than that, it's a B. I think that overall, yeah, I'm leaning towards a B, B minus. I think that when you put it in the context of this being the second to last episode of the show, it just wasn't as exciting and it wasn't as, as you know, building and revealing as I would like it to have been. So uh, I'm definitely going for a B minus. I thought about actually going C, but we'll see if that grade changes next week. Yeah. I mean, that's what basically what I was saying. Considering how close we are to the end... It was fine. I mean, it wasn't like the boxing episode where I was just like, what the hell? But it was an hour. There was a lot of wasted time. I wanted more out of it. It was fine. So I think I'm actually going to go to a C plus. Mm. But next week may change my mind. Again, we were at Dragon Con and we were at the prop auction and we heard from actors and we heard from production people who all had nothing but just incredible things to say about the finale, how everyone had a chance to shine. That was a direct quote. And that there was a lot of cool stuff going on. And so there's nothing that leads you to believe that there will not be a reason for the last two hours to be just amazing. Maybe that's setting up expectations really high, but for this series, I can't see how that wouldn't be what we would expect anyway. So I would hope so. I mean, just because going back to your conversation with Tomo and he said that the last time we're going to be like amazing and so emotional and like over the top crazy stuff. And there've been a couple of episodes throughout the last eight that were like, Meh. so I hope the last doesn't disappoint. Cause it's a lot of time and effort invested in this show. Right. <laughs> Next episode, we will be discussing it in great detail. We will be uh, doing our regular podcast, and we will be doing extra podcasts following that, where we take in all the fallout and analyze what we've seen. And again, we have lots of episodes coming up with interviews from production staff. We have another prop auction coming up. We have Dragon Con coming up. And then in terms of non Battlestar podcast, we have other shows, Firefly Rewatch, etc., that we'll be doing as well. So stick around. Our email address is gquorum at gmail.com. Voicemail is 301-358-5175. Be sure to send us all your voicemails and comments about the last episodes. Until next time, the jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. So say we all. Bye. Bye. I think we're not qualified to do the drunk podcast. Uh...
should be more prepared than I am, but I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> As are the rest of us. So say we all. So say we all. 